We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast december 30th 2021 the penultimate day of 2021 and i advise everybody right now to just say 2022 is not going to be any different let's go in with low expectations and hope to be pleasantly surprised after the hell that was 2020 and 2021. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pack-A-Day podcast. I hope everybody had a very safe and happy Christmas and holiday season uh, for those who are celebrating holidays this time of the month. The Green Bay Packers helped you celebrate as well on Saturday with a 24-22 victory over Mark Loney's Cleveland Browns and shout out to Mark, who I said I didn't love for three hours, but I did as soon as the game. So <laughs> frankly, if we're being honest, it never truly stopped because as my co-host Maggie Loney can attest, Mark just has a face that is so easy to love. I'm joined by Maggie Loney, as I mentioned to Maggie. I'm just going to start there. Do you agree with me? I do, yeah, and it made it really hard like to be at the game because if there's one team that I have a really hard time obviously rooting against, it's the Browns, and I just saw how excited he was getting, and I was like, well, shoot, I don't want to lose. Like, I'm, I'm going to be pissed if the Packers drop this game, but then he's going to be sad. So I'm glad those games only come around every four years because my heart would not want to deal with uh, one of us being sad constantly. I do not look forward to if there ever is a day where the Packers and Browns play in the Super Bowl solely for God. mostly your sake, but even mine to some degree as well, because I have grown as we've known each other. Shit, we've been doing this for three, four years now, and it feels <laughs> like it's been, you know, the Browns are, you know, one of my, I have a soft spot for the Philadelphia Eagles because of my dad. And I certainly now have a soft spot for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, some because of Baker Mayfield, but mostly because of Mark Loney. And I, and I feel for him as a team that had high expectations and it looks like they just aren't going to have enough to get into the playoffs here this year. So I'm rooting against the Bengals as much as I can to try and get those Brownies into the playoffs, but it doesn't look like we're going to get there. So Maggie, let's just go through real quick your experience on Saturday Christmas day against the Browns with your husband. And like you mentioned before the show, 
some Browns fans in front of you. What was that like? How was your guys' experience uh, watching your two teams play at Lambeau Field? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I mean, four years ago, we had gone down to First Energy, obviously, in Cleveland. And that was an abysmal game. It was the Brett Hundley and Deshaun Kaiser Bowl. Ended up 27-21 in overtime. Just, you know, another game that it felt like the Packers were going to drop. So I don't know what it is when these two teams get together that they have to be, you know, really close games that keep you on the edge of your seat the whole time. But yeah, it was it was great. And the Browns fans in front of us were great. Um, They were some really fun fans to be around and, you know, cheer against. Every time the Packers would do something, I'd try to high five the guys in front of me. And then every time the Browns would do something, they'd try to high five me. So, I mean, it was just a really fun dynamic and unfortunate, of course, for Browns fans that it didn't work out that way. But fortunate for Packers fans that, you know, they're sitting at 12 and three now and could potentially lock up that number one seed this weekend. That it did. So I do want to go through it's 24-22 and the Browns have the ball with just a shade over two minutes left. What is the mood like in your section, that area, as the Browns are trying to make a a game-winning field goal drive? Um, Well, I do want to point out that on multiple occasions, I would yell pick and then Baker would throw a pick and Mark was getting very agitated by me doing that. So I think I yelled it probably at every opportunity on that last drive, just, you know, hoping for some magic. But we talked about this a little bit pre-show. I think the mood from the Packer fans in the area was, you know, they are literally just going to run Nick Chubb eight times, get into field goal range and that's game over. They're going to burn the clock. There's going to be nothing that the Packers can do after such a promising first half. And then of course that wasn't the case as we all know. And Rasul Douglas came up big for feels like he does that every week for the Packers, but you know, his team leading fifth interception and I haven't heard Lambo that loud. Okay, that's not true. I heard Lambo that loud when Brett Favre said to get another Super Bowl, but it, this was one of the loudest fan um, moments I think I've been a part of. Yeah, the crowd was great. The crowd was juiced. Uh, we talked pre-show again about how before the game it felt like there was an anticipation in the air of Aaron Rodgers breaking the franchise touchdown record and, of course, being the only game running on Christmas Day there uh, against those Cleveland Browns. Uh, so uh, glad that you guys had a good experience, ultimately happy that you were the one in the lonely marriage that's happy and only slightly sad that Mark is sad for that very reason, because at the end of the day, I care about the Packers getting that number one seed and, and losing a home game against a mediocre Browns team that's ravaged by injuries and COVID would have been a tough pill to swallow. Thankfully, we don't have to. And Rasul Douglas, somebody said, I think it was Ross and Jake earlier this week on Packaday asking, like, how many wins is this guy worth to the team? Well, I can promise you at least two, the game winner against Cleveland and a game winner against Arizona. That's at least two. Uh, And then you include, you know, a pick six against the Bears that kind of not really turned the tide, but helped put the Packers kind of back in a good position and a pick six against the Rams and current Hall of Famer uh, Matthew Stafford and and shame, shame on the Detroit Lions for making him continuously throw these boneheaded interceptions that are returned for touchdowns. But I do want to start this show uh, after that, of course, uh, with a reflection on the passing of John Madden, uh, former Oakland Raiders coach, and of course, uh, the video game pioneer and broadcasting pioneer, actually, as we're recording the show in the background, I have the last game that Madden ever called, I believe, was the Steelers and Cardinals Super Bowl. So, Maggie, I just want to get your thoughts on on the passing of a legend and what Mr. Madden meant to you specifically. Yeah, I mean, growing up, I was always 
a tomboy. Like I loved sports, especially football. Um, so the Madden games were some of my like reprieves where when I didn't have friends to play outside with or play sports with, I would either play solo Madden or I used to play Madden a lot with my, with my dad. And we would kind of like learn football or he would help me learn football by playing some of those Madden games. So I have so many of those like key phrases from like the early, like 2002 Maddens and stuff on my old little PlayStation, just in my head forever. So, you know, absolutely. Like you said, pioneer of the game, just so special and important to the entire NFL. I don't know if you could find somebody to say, unless you go on Twitter or something bad about him as a person. Um, Just, you know, I don't know. I, it was such a, such a surprise, I guess, when it, when it did happen that the timeline was just littered with positive memories and the impact that he made on all of us, whether it was the games he called the love he had for our favorite players or just how he grew up playing the game. Yeah, I I think so too. And like you mentioned, Twitter sucks. uh, I think more often than it doesn't, unfortunately, and people have to find ways to dance on people's graves. And it's really unfortunate that that is in fact the case, but to each their own, I guess uh, I'm just here to tell you that my opinion on that is if you did that, then you suck. My thought on Madden is that I've always wanted to kind of be him. You know, when I was younger, I heard him calling games for Brett Favre. And obviously there's been a lot of parodies made off of Madden's affinity for Brett Favre. And I wanted to be the, the guy that Madden was talking about, but then eventually that transitioned into wanting to be him and announcing these games and drawing with the markers. And he's just, he's the voice of the NFL. As far as I'm concerned, when, when we were kids, if Madden and Summerall were calling a game, something special was about to happen. And as we got older, the same was true of John Madden and Al Michaels. And I learned, I heard some of the names of guys that Madden had been paired with in the past, like Vern Lundquist and Kevin Harlan. And then of course, obviously Pat Summerall and Al Michaels. I mean, you talk about pioneers and just the voices of the NFL and listening back to playing the game for as long as I did. And long as I have, the game has lost a little bit of its luster. Uh, some of that due to actual gameplay stuff, which I'm not a big video game player. So I don't really notice all of that stuff, but without him calling the game in the background, that makes things a little bit harder too, because Madden was just such an iconic voice and the ability to do stuff. I mean, he just, every, every guy has a signature word, signature phrase. So if you hear the word boom, that's John Madden. And, and that's what he was. You got the all Madden team. You've got the Turkey legs. There's just so many things from when he was a broadcaster that were so iconic and even hearing some stories now, like I heard after Michigan beat Ohio state, the first text message Jim Harbaugh got was from John Madden. And it's just like, man, this dude is still watching and living and dying on every single one of these games. And there's a relative now of Madden's that's a walk on, I believe uh, at Michigan. So living and dying with all of these games, even though he's been out of football for 10 plus years, Uh, just an icon in every sense of the word, the documentary, if you haven't watched it, 10 out of 10 recommend. Uh, Like I mentioned, if you're listening to this, I'm sure the NFL network is going to play a lot of stuff of his over the next couple of weeks. They're playing this game. Now they'll play others of just some signature things. And yeah, listening to Madden call Favre games. I mean, I just sit back and think he called Super Bowl 31, which of course is the first Super Bowl I ever got to experience, even as a young child. And he called Favre's game, which is almost fitting because of the stuff you talk about with with Madden's affinity for Favre. 
he got to call Brett Favre's game against the Raiders, which was his old team after Favre's dad had passed away. And if you just kind of sit back and, and think about what that game meant at the time and just how, how different that was. And I mean, I remember when I heard that Favre's dad had passed away, the Packers were in a playoff push trying to get to the playoffs. And I, I'll never forget this. My, my, my best friend's dad, his name's Brad Bach is talking during the game. Like as the Packers are playing the Seahawks two weeks later, asking Irvin Favre to kind of watch over the team and get them some of that good fortune. Cause that's the same year as the Paul Allen. No, the Cardinals have knocked the Vikings out of the playoffs year and got the Packers into the playoffs. And then they have the, we want the ball and we're going to score a game. They take an early lead against the Eagles. And unfortunately the clock struck midnight on that Super Bowl Cinderella type of run that green Bay was on. But Madden was an icon uh, in every sense of the word. And I think anybody who is our age, slightly older and and certainly slightly younger that's who the voice is and i think bomani jones really said it best is the reason now that we think so many color commentators you know your chris collinsworths and, and phil sims and tony romo and troy aikman and guys like that are just kind of meh, meh or bad are because we grew up with madden and madden was that guy and still is honestly i mean even in even in his passing is, is somebody i certainly think worth remembering. So rest in peace to John Madden, our condolences uh, to his family and, and everybody that was impacted by him as well. Somebody that was impacted by him was Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, of course, the starting quarterback and the all-time leader for the franchise in touchdown passes. And Maggie, real quick, before I move to his availability today, just what was that like the moment that Alan Lazard helps him break the franchise record for touchdown passes as a Green Bay Packer? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I mean, it was a little emotional. Like, it was one of those moments where I think, you know, whether you're a Packers fan or you just appreciate sports, everybody knows Brett Favre and his legacy. And I think sometimes Packers fans can kind of forget 
how good Brett Favre was for so long because we watched Aaron Rodgers play football in a different way. You know, so Brett Favre was the gunslinger and Aaron Rodgers has kind of leaned into that perfectionist, just pinpoint accuracy, especially if you look at their interception numbers. So for it to happen, I got chills. I mean, it was so emotional when it happened to realize, especially after like the turmoil that happened all off season for him to have returned for what could be one more year. Maybe he comes back. We don't know. You know, he kind of alluded to some of that in his presser today, but it was a lot to take in. And, you know, even the Browns fans in front of me, when it happened, just kept saying, I can't believe that we got to be here for this. So it, it was just really special to, even if they weren't fans of the Packers, to recognize how historic that is. You know, he's already in his 17th season, which is unprecedented for a Packers player to happen at Lambeau Field. You, you couldn't have written a script to make it, you know, happen unless maybe it happens with Devontae instead of Lazard. But yeah, it was just a really special moment, especially to have that Brett Favre tribute at the end of it. And the Favre tribute, like you mentioned, it was phenomenal. It was an uncontrollable smile uh, that took over my face when that happened. I mean, I'm just watching two of the biggest reasons that I'm a Packers fan kind of united there in one. And then Favre ends it by saying, I got one request, go get us another Super Bowl. And I'm just, hell yeah, man, let's go do that <laughs> kind of thing. Like, yeah, that's awesome. And then you've got Rodgers giving the I love you sign to everybody in that moment. And then after the game, walking off the field, kind of doing a 360 with those signs and everything like that. It, it was, it's special. And as far as moments at Lambeau Field in the last 10 years, the only other thing I could think of is, is when they had Favre, Star, and Rogers in the building together uh, on Thanksgiving night. Obviously, that game not capped off with a victory. So maybe that takes some of the shine away from it. But having those three guys in the building at the same time, I was hoping that they were going to get Favre up for, for that game. But I could certainly understand with it being Christmas day, how difficult maybe that would have been, but very happy to see that Favre was able to do a tribute video uh, and, and something for that for Aaron Rodgers. And let's talk today. Cause that's the news of the day is that Rodgers is, he had his weekly press conference like he always does and had his media availability today and, and talked about, he was asked about his future because this is the last regular season game at Lambeau field this weekend. And I'm sure all of you, have at least put together two and two that it could be the last regular season game that Aaron Rodgers lines up under center as a Packer. And Rodgers kind of said that he's taking the season for what it is. They asked him if he would retire. He said he wouldn't rule that out, which I think is kind of telling to some degree, but also said that he would make a, a quick decision on what his future was going to be. So Maggie, after hearing all of that, what's your main takeaway from Rodgers' presser? I feel like my perspective hasn't changed as much maybe throughout the season. I've kind of been under the impression um, that if the Packers do win the Super Bowl, he'll retire. Um, I still, I still think that even though, you know, he talks about how he wants to go out when he still has something left in the tank. And I think, you know, if you look at the way he's playing, you could argue that he's got three, five, however many years left in the tank. It's not like he's starting to decline or losing that arm talent. So I do think that he retires at the end of the season if the Packers win the Super Bowl, but I also see a world where both he and Devontae Adams come back to the Packers. It's really hard for me to see Devontae not re-signing with the team unless he just, you know, Rodgers retires and he wants to go, like, test the waters elsewhere. You know, the Packers historically only give third contracts to Hall of Famers. Devontae Adams is trending in that same category as 
having the potential to be a gold jacket player someday. So I could see them coming back, but I also see this team looking significantly different than it does now, which I think has to weigh into things for as many extensions and contract negotiations and ways that you can kind of move some money around to get Rodgers and Adams to stay. You're talking about players like Zedarius Smith, even maybe guys like Devondre Campbell and Rasul Douglas who have become fan favorites that aren't able to return then. So for every really good player that you want to come back to the Packers, there's there's just a lot to weigh into a lot of that. So that's my long response for it. I think if he wins the Super Bowl, he retires on top, fourth MVP, Super Bowl MVP, two rings. If they get close, I think he'll come back to Green Bay. And you do think he's going to win the MVP award when they vote here in a couple of weeks? I do. I just, unless it's Jonathan, I would love it to be Jonathan Taylor. You know, I, I think running backs and wide receivers and I mean, hell, there's plenty of defensive players who you could put into that category as well. But I do think that Aaron Rodgers is just in a league of his own right now, especially these last five or six weeks. I do as well. And I think the only way he doesn't is kind of the way Tim Backus puts it is if they don't vote for him for non-football reasons, which I don't put past. There's nobody in the world, maybe more petty than a, a journalist with a vote in his hand. Uh, so I do think that that is at least a possibility, but I've kind of moved beyond that. I just think that, you know, a few weeks ago, if you'd asked me this question, I would have said probably Tom Brady, but then Brady had that nine, nothing stinker against new Orleans. And then you add in the fact that he was good, not great against Carolina and Rogers has been great really since the middle of November. Uh, when he came back from his COVID diagnosis. So he's been really good since really that Vikings game uh, towards the end of November and has been incredible ever since then. But I think he wins the MVP as well. I actually think that as of now, coming into the year, I had no idea. Uh, I've, I've long been a believer that the Packers did not make a decision on their quarterback for 2022 on draft night in 2020. I still believe that. And if they did, I remain steadfast in my thought that if they did do that, then everyone involved with that decision needs to be fired. And I still believe that because if you do that, then you are not accounting for variable change. When they draft Jordan Love, there's at least a fair conversation to be had that Jordan Love, or excuse me, that Aaron Rodgers is declining. <clears throat> That's not a fair discussion anymore. Aaron Rodgers is going to at minimum be MVP and MVP runner up in back-to-back seasons and play for at least one conference title among you know whatever else happens here between now and the end of this season. I think it's more likely now that Rogers stays in green Bay than goes elsewhere. I think it's more likely that he retires than goes elsewhere. Uh, And I think that him saying he wants to make that decision quickly is something that bodes well for him returning. And as for everybody saying, well, cap issues and what will the rest of the team look like at some of the points, even that you alluded to, to me, the answer to that question is very simple. If the league MVP tells you he wants to be your quarterback, then you make that work, regardless of if that means that Zadarius Smith and both of those guys you mentioned and Preston Smith and Adrian Amos, just to throw names out there, aren't Packers anymore, then so be it. Because having all those guys and a quarterback that we, I mean, I'm not saying Jordan Love is going to stink. Don't take that for this, but if the quarterback stinks, it doesn't matter how good your roster is. Look at, I don't know, the Cleveland Browns. That might be a good example of a team that looks like something, or the Denver Broncos to throw a team out there that 
then the Packers have a chance of being the team that's a quarterback away. And not just that, but then if the league MVP says he wants to be in Green Bay and he's arguably, if not even inarguably anymore, the greatest player in the history of your franchise, you make that work. And there is a way to make that work. They've already talked about it. They offered him an extension. They did that knowing that eventually they were going to have to give extensions to Elton Jenkins and Jair Alexander and, and some of the other guys that that are up for contracts here in the near future. You make that happen. So if that means your offense next year is Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams on an extension with Randall Cobb on a reduced contract, and then you have Jones and Dylan and and figuring out what to do on the defensive side of the ball, then so be it. I think that's the way that it, that it has to be if that is in fact the case that he wants to stay. Here's a, a question though, and this is something that I've been you know, contemplating a lot. Um, does Rodgers only return to Green Bay if it's a championship caliber team? Because obviously 2018, you know, call that a wash. Nobody knew what 2019 was going to look like under Matt LaFleur. 2020, they returned a lot of the same pieces, same with 2021. This is a championship roster and arguably a Super Bowl contending roster, just like they were the last couple seasons. If you have all those players you listed on offense where you have Jones, Dylan, Adams, even if you get MBS to come back because he wants to play with Aaron Rodgers a couple more years, and your defense is Jair, maybe Rasul Douglas really cheap, Eric Stokes, Kenny Clark, and Rashawn Gary. Like, is that enough if you are thinking like, hey, maybe we can squeak in as a wild card? Like, does Aaron come back if there's any thought that this team can't compete at the highest level? I think so, because if you look at the teams that are going to be on his trade list, like the Packers are not going to trade him for 60 cents on the dollar. They're going to pair like reportedly this off season, the Denver Broncos were prepared to offer three first round picks, a couple of day two picks and players. So let's just go through this for a minute and say they offer three firsts, two day, two picks, Jerry, Judy, and Bradley Chubb, just to throw a name out there. That Denver roster is now pared down, has no chance of adding a high-impact player in the early rounds of the draft. I would ask Rodgers from a football standpoint, how is that any different than staying in Green Bay where you're known, you're loved, and you have a chance to really set yourself apart? Like, I'm sure Brett Favre never thought his touchdown pass record would be broken when they moved on from him. But now Rodgers could, like, 500 touchdown passes in a Packers uniform is something that's never been done. Obviously that's something he could do. He's going to play more. He's already played more years than anybody, but he could set that as a unattainable record. He could win another MVP or two potentially here in green Bay and maybe win another title or two. And I think that something else he's realizing is that Brian Gutekunst is really good at his job. And even though, you're going to have some, like there's going to be roster attrition anyways, whether Rogers came back or not, there were going to be guys that are not here that were here the previous year. You got to trust Gutekunst to be able to replace those players in my opinion. And like you mentioned, if it's on defense, Jair, Eric Stokes, Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark, that's a really good start. Like, I mean, maybe they wouldn't be a title contender immediately in 2022, but they would still be, in my opinion, as long as Rodgers is there, the favorite to win the division. You still have one of the best cornerbacks in football, one of the best ascending pass rushers in football, one of the best line of scrimmage defenders in Kenny Clark in professional football. Like that's a really good start. And we didn't even talk about the offensive line where yeah. you know, a year from now, 
David Bakhtiari should be back. Elton Jenkins, uh, whenever he comes off the injured list, should be back. And then you add in guys that have played well as the year has gone on with John Runyon and Royce Newman, along with Josh Myers in the middle. And then who knows who plays right tackle in that scenario, but they could figure out maybe it's, you know, Bakhtiari and Yosh Nyman with Myers, Runyon, and Newman competing in the middle with Elton Jenkins as your left guard. I mean, that's a really good scenario for an aging quarterback to play behind that as well. So Rodgers is a smart guy on a football side of things. And I think that one of the reasons he came back is he knew his best chance to win a championship now was in Green Bay. And I still think that he'll figure out eventually that his best football situation in the future is in Green Bay. And you add in the fact that he could get to, he's played 17 seasons. He plays three more years. That's 20. 20 seasons in Green Bay, plays 20 years with one team, wins a title or two more if he can do that, add in the four MVPs and everything else. Like players that stay in one on one team are revered more than players who don't. And unless you're talking about Tom Brady, who when he retires is going to be widely regarded as the best quarterback to ever play. And that's fine. But all the other guys a shine gets taken away a little bit from some of like the John Elway scenario is everybody's dream scenario where Elway plays his entire career with the Broncos and runs off the field with his helmet over his head after only playing his entire career with one team and winning back-to-back Super Bowls. Now, can the Packers do that? I don't know. I don't know what the roster is going to look like two years from now, three years from now, five years from now. I don't know what the roster is going to look like two weeks from now, which we'll get to here in just a minute. But I think there's going to be a lot of backpedaling this off season for the people that are like, Oh, this is Rogers's last game at soldier field as a Packer. This is Rogers's last game against the Vikings as a Packer. Like I sincerely look forward to that because it felt like something that was drained in hope from some of these opposing fans. And now if the Packers were to sign him to an extension this off season to say, he's not going anywhere yet. And you're going to have to deal with this dude and this team for five more years, four more years, however long the extension ends up being. So I'm interested to see how it goes, but I do think that right now the preference is to stay in Green Bay. I just think anything Rogers says that maybe leads to something on the thoughts to the contrary is to try and maintain some of that leverage that he has so that the Packers don't get him to an extension, lock him in, and then return to the old way where they weren't including him in conversations, as he puts it, that directly affects his job. Anything else you want to add before we move on? Yeah, I mean, just that, you know, Aaron Rodgers talks so much about his legacy, and I think that's what made the Jordan Love pick sting a little bit because, you know, as he's kind of alluded to, it's when you kind of realize you're not in control of your own destiny. And I never had a problem with the Jordan Love pick just from the perspective, and we've talked about this ad nauseum on this show, on other shows. You know, look at the Steelers. There's so many teams right now that didn't have a contingency plan, whether or not Aaron Rodgers maintains an MVP level or not you're not going to get into a top 10 situation with him as your quarterback, regardless to potentially be able to draft your quarterback of the future. So if one falls into the latter rounds or the latter picks in the first round, I don't have a problem with that, but you know, the more we kind of talk about this and the more we talk about legacy, um, one of my favorite, you know, things that Devonte Adams said after the game was that he only chases himself, especially in a historic franchise like the Packers where you've had over a hundred years of history, you know, the big names and for him to be in those conversations, it's kind of crazy to think that we're talking about maybe two more years of Aaron Rodgers in green Bay and Devonte in green Bay 
and you know the 99 touchdowns that Don Hudson has is suddenly very attainable for a guy like Devonte Adams who's sitting at 72 could get a couple more before the season ends two or three seasons if he and Rodgers stay you know I know Devonte kind of said like he wants to see what happens with Rodgers before he makes a big decision but I'm just thinking about the two of them kind of conspiring together where it's like we can put ourselves so deep into the record books that nobody can chase us that's that's pretty special to think about. And those are two guys, I think, with legacy on the line that would, would have a lot to say about that and would consider that very heavily um, when thinking about their future plans. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And with all due respect to some of these other franchises, having those records as a Green Bay Packer means more than having those records as a Carolina Panther, just to throw a team name out there. like It, it means more. Reggie White, you say it all the time. Winning in Green Bay, it just means more when you do it. The name of the trophy is named after the coach in Green Bay. Like it's Lambeau Field, which Aaron Rodgers has said is iconic. And you can hear the way I remember when he when he had that quote: "If you're coming to Lambeau Field, that's iconic, or you're hosting the Green Bay Packers." It very much reminded me of there was a time where Mike McCarthy, they were asking him in there in the midst of a losing streak, and he said, "People don't like us to win," and he said, "Because we're the Green Bay Packers." And he emphasizes the words Green Bay Packers as if that means something a little bit more to the average fan. And it does. And it should, because they are the most historic franchise in the history of the sport, regardless of what people in New England or San Francisco might try to tell you. They've won the most titles. They have all that stuff. I don't have to go through the accolades of the Packers if you're listening to the show. But I think that means more. And I think Rodgers knows that. And I think Adams, by extension, knows that. But I don't blame Devontae Adams for wanting to see what's going on. Does he want to tie the rest of his career to Jordan love or can he, when he can kind of pick his next quarterback off of that, you know, Hey, if Aaron goes to Denver, maybe I want to go there. Or maybe if Aaron retires, I want to go to LA and play with Justin Herbert or something like that. Instead of a guy that we just don't know anything about. And I know anytime you talk about Aaron Rodgers, it almost feels like you have to slight Jordan love in the process. And I'm not trying to do that, but that's just the reality. He is a, a beautiful mystery. As they say, he's played one game that I think you can draw very little conclusions from. And you add in this preseason where you can't draw a lot of conclusions from that. So that's for another day. That's for a time in the near-ish future. But the Packers are, or Aaron Rodgers himself said that it's a decision he'll make quickly, which as somebody who went through the far retirement saga, I am very thankful for that (laughs) this holiday season that he says he'll make his decision quickly. And I believe him when he says that. Let's go to the defense because that's supposed to be the topic for tonight. The Packers, my question to you, Maggie, they've added more players to the COVID list. Um, 
they're going to be shorthanded. There are a few guys that are potentially eligible with the new protocols, new CDC guidelines, all those acronyms and everything like that. The only, the one that is interesting to me is Corey Bajorquez, who actually tested positive on Tuesday. So he is eligible to return on Sunday, which is good news from the standpoint of the Packers obviously don't have another punter on the roster and it keeps the field goal operation snapper holder kicker potentially intact. But you mentioned some of the other guys, it hasn't been a lot of high impact players. You know, we don't knock on wood. We don't see, well, I'm just going to use names that have already had it. So that way I don't invoke more, but Kenny Clark is not on that list. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, those guys are not on the COVID list, but Tyler Davis, nice role player, Mercedes Lewis, obviously a role player on this team and, and has a relatively big impact in the locker room as well. Oren Burks went on today. Kingsley Kiki went on today. They just have a lot of guys that that are on the COVID list now. So what are your thoughts on this team going into a, a Minnesota game where they're shorthanded and really, honestly, mostly on the special teams unit? Yeah, I think, you know, any Packers fan that watched the Browns game on Saturday is feeling some type of way um, about the performance that Nick Chubb and the rest of, you know, just the run operation in general, whether it was Anthony Schwartz, you know, Darius Johnson, whoever was back there, 219 total yards is like the stuff of nightmares the Packers fans were dealing with when you're looking at previous NFC championship games. So to have Delvin Cook raring to go and a weakened defensive line, even though you do have Kenny Clark, I mean, the run defense is something that has to be shored up and relatively quickly given the way that they've kind of fallen off since the bye. So I think that to me is probably the biggest concern for this week. I know the the Vikings are losing Adam Thielen for the season. He had season ending surgery, but they've still got Justin Jefferson. They've still got KJ Osborne. They've got some nice role players and it's Sunday night football at Lambeau field. The Vikings are in contention for a wild card spot. They're not about to roll over here, even though we know Kirk is pretty abysmal on uh, in primetime games, but yeah, the long winded response to your question is I think that defensive line is probably where I'm most concerned, especially when you're talking about, Guys already being pretty banged up. Tyler Lancaster, I know, went down for just a, a smidge during the Browns game. Kingsley Kiki out now, like you said, on the COVID list. There aren't too many bodies left to kind of clog holes for Delvin Cook. No, and they did do well the last time they played against Delvin Cook. 22 carries, 86 yards, uh, and he had a bigger run later in the game that kind of inflated those numbers a little bit. The big thing that everybody's going to focus on is Justin Jefferson, and, and deservedly so. He's one of the best receivers in the sport, thankfully. As of now, the Packers haven't added any of their secondary members to the COVID list. They did activate Jair Alexander today. I suppose that is worth discussing. He's one of the better players in the sport, but it feels like he's not going to play this weekend. Uh, if he does make his debut, it feels like something that could happen next week at the earliest. Um, but it's hard to say because we've been talking about these guys that if they come back, when they come back, and so far none of them have actually come back. So I'm just kind of waiting for to see one of them on the field. But I'm with you. You know, Mike Zimmer, if he could, would run the ball on every single play. And the frigid temperatures in Green Bay, Wisconsin on Sunday lend to a game that's a little more ground centric. And I don't think that the Packers run defense is as bad as it showed on Saturday. I think they played poorly. I think they had a bad matchup. And Nick Chubb is very, very, very good behind that offensive line that is also very good. This is a group that I think they can slow down a little bit better. I'm not saying that you can expect 10 carries for 14 yards. I just think that that's, that's asking a little too much, but you know, a lot of the yards that the Packers have given up in recent weeks on the ground have been by the quarterbacks. Justin Fields had over 70 yards rushing. The same is true for Tyler Huntley. So the traditional running game 
there wasn't much to speak of on that side of things. That being said, I, I, as we transition to our final point here, I do want to gauge what's your concern level with this defense. Cause like you mentioned, they've been not very good since the buy. Uh, and honestly, they've been not very good since uh, their shutout game against the Seattle Seahawks. They had given up an average of 30 points a game going into Saturday's game against Cleveland, where they only gave up 22 points, but four interceptions, five sacks, and they only won by two points. That to me is just incredible that that is in fact the case. The Browns only punted once. The Ravens with Tyler Huntley only punted once. There's a lot going on there, and this defense is not playing well enough to me when you have to view this team through the lens of can they win a championship. But can they win a championship with the way they played the last two weeks? No. Can they win a championship with the way they played against the Los Angeles Rams? Absolutely. Maybe they're playing down to competition. Maybe they're trying to stay relatively vanilla so they're not showing the good stuff, if you will, on film trying to kind of play possum that way, but I don't know. And I do know that right now we've seen what happens when the answer is, well, let Rogers and company just score 30 points over the last 10 years. That hasn't been enough. And now if you're asking for Aaron Rodgers to play Superman again, we've seen that not be a formula for success. So what's your concern level going into this and what do you need to see on Sunday night to help quell some of those concerns? Yeah, but I think it's interesting. You know, it feels like every week Packers players come into locker room post game. Rashawn Gary was the person that said it this week. And, you know, he just said, like, we haven't played a complete game yet in all three phases. And when we do, you know, we're going to put the league on notice. But you're talking about going into week 17 of the regular season. And if you put everything together and you get hot in the playoffs, that is, of course, the absolute best time to get hot. Nobody's going to be mad at this Packers team if they are firing on all cylinders after a first round buy in the divisional round of the playoffs, like that's the ideal scenario, but you know, you can't keep saying like, we're, we're going to get there. We're going to put it all together because you're running out of games to put everything together. And I think it's, it's just kind of an interesting 180 right now where, you know, the defense was keeping this offense in games when the offense couldn't put up too many points to start the season. And now you've kind of flipped it where, you know, this is a Packers offense that for whatever reason is not scoring points in the first quarter having insane second quarters and then just kind of hanging on to whatever momentum they had and hoping that that point total is enough to outlast whatever the defense gives up in the second half. So it's just a really strange dynamic. And I think, you know, it sounds redundant to say to put together a more complete game, but just some productivity in all four quarters, I think would go a long way for this, this Packers team and the completeness that we would feel, you know, score on your opening drive. If you're the Packers, get a a stop on second and long and, you know, make it a third and long if you're the defense, because right now third down conversions are a problem for this Packers defense been better in the red zone at home. But, you know, that was one of the struggles in the beginning of the season. And you can't revert back to all of those struggles when you're talking about having two games left in the regular season. That you are, and and my big thing is just like you kind of mentioned, controlling a game. And I don't mean that. Like, I don't think that they have to hold the Vikings to 14 points and and force a couple turnovers and just dominate the game because it's hard to be a dominant defense in the NFL. It just is. Like, the rules are all slanted toward the offense. I understand all that. But teams with Tyler Huntley and Justin Fields and Baker Mayfield should be punting more than once a game which right now is the situation that they've been in and and nothing against those guys I just mentioned, but that's not exactly Dak Prescott and Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford and the group of quarterbacks the Packers are going to have to face here in the postseason. So I'd like to see them be able to control a game, 
make it to, and not only that, just make things a little more difficult on the opposing offense. It's been very Mike Petney the last couple of weeks, uh, as far as, okay, it's third and 11. We're going to concede an eight yard catch and then rally and tackle. It's like, well, you know, fourth and 11 is okay too. Like it's okay if it's fourth and 11 instead of fourth and three. So that's something I would like to see. You know, I know they're playing Kirk Cousins in prime time. And here's the other thing, as many jokes as Packer fans like to make about Kirk Cousins, he's been pretty successful against the Packers. And on that note, the Vikings have won the last two times the Packers have played against them, including a game at Lambeau Field last year, uh, where, and Cousins has actually played well at Lambeau Field, uh, save for one game in 2019, LaFleur's first season, where he threw a game-losing interception. But the Packers just, they haven't played well against the Vikings, especially recently. And that's something that, I mean, Vikings fans, I promise you would love nothing more than to be the reason that Green Bay does not have the road to the Super Bowl go through Lambeau Field. This is a team that matches up relatively well with Green Bay. Mike Zimmer is very smart. So there's going to be some difficulties on offense and the defense has to be able to hold their own on a few things. And they haven't been able to do that for whatever reason over the last several weeks. I mean, they've kind of been even against Baltimore, like where there was a stretch in the fourth quarter where the score is 31 17. And it almost feels like they were just surviving to get to 17 points. You should not be surviving against Tyler Huntley. You should not be surviving against Baker Mayfield. Like if you have a guy throw four interceptions against you and you sack him five times, you should win that game 41 to 22, not 24 to 22. And the 22 points, honestly, were a byproduct of the fact that Mayfield just turned the ball over so many times because really Cleveland wasn't forced to punt. It was just the Packers got turnovers. And the one time that Cleveland did punt, they got back-to-back sacks on a second and third down that led to a fourth and 20-plus that the Browns initially were going to go for, and then they got a phantom false start penalty that turned in turned it into a punt. So I think there's a stretch of a few things. Number The other thing I'd like to see is on the offensive side of the ball, quit playing against the clock. Like it's okay to keep scoring. And if the other team scores off of that, so be it. But you should be able to, instead of, you know, running twice and then passing to try and convert that, stay aggressive, put the ball in the hands of the league MVP and Devontae Adams and Al Lazard and this group of pass catchers that you have. That is really, that's when the Packers offense is at its best is when they're throwing the ball. And I know everybody loves the idea of, you know, pound the rock, run the ball, you know, all that good stuff. I understand that but this team is not built to bleed you out the way that they have been the last couple of years. And they need to be able to stay aggressive and put some points on the board, especially in an, I mean, I know they're going to say, well, it's going to be cold. So it's more difficult. Well, if the playoff games are at Lambeau field and it's later in the calendar year, don't you think it might be a little cold for a divisional round NFC championship game type of scenario. So I'd like to see that. And I'd like to see them just play well, put that game together. Maybe I'm not saying we need to see the Titans game from last year. Cause I think the Titans game last year is when everybody realized, okay, this team's really good and can win a super bowl. I think we've seen that from the Packers this season already, but I'd like to see them beat an inferior opponent somewhat soundly. Can you win a game 30 to 20, 27, 17, something like that, where the other team's not backdoor covering the game from a spread standpoint and then has a chance to either tie or win the game like they have the last two weeks. So final segment, I know I just said that, but prediction, of course, we got to get those Maggie Packers Vikings Sunday night football. What do you like? Yeah, well, I don't think this is going to do much for you as far as putting a team away, but um, I think the Packers come out on top in this one. I think it's going to be really close. I think there's probably going to be some kind of last minute jostling could see it being tied um, going down to the wire. I'm going to take the Packers 
24 with the caveat that uh, Packers special teams is intact and able to make a couple field goals. I also have 27, 24, and we did not talk about that before the show started. 20. So I, I also say the same sort of idea. Uh, the Packers get a late field goal and can hold off a Kirk Cousins rally late in the game to try and get them to, to escape. So like you said, it's not going to do much for my heart medication. It's not going to do much for my blood pressure, but it is a win. And if green Bay wins and Dallas loses the road to the super bowl, we'll go through Lambeau field. Dallas plays Arizona on Sunday afternoon. So we will know as that game kicks off what exactly the Packers can and cannot accomplish by the end of it. So that's going to do it for today's show. Shout out to producer Nick unable to make it with us tonight. He will be back next week to preview Packers and lions. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jacob Westerdorf, and we can find Maggie. Yep, you can just find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney, and all of the work that I do is there. You can find her there. Thank you guys for listening. If you guys like the show, follow us at Pack-A-Day Podcast. We'll be back next week for the final game of the regular season. What a fun ride it's been, and who knows what will happen between now and then. Never a dull moment in Town, USA. Beat the Vikings. Go Pack.